Church, pray with me for today's sermon. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word and your people. May we be those who hear well, who have eyes to see, ears to hear what you are doing. May the gospel be proclaimed today. May those of us who do not know the gospel come to accept the gospel. For those of us who are in the gospel, may we be compelled to live further into your mission. So as I pray, amen. Today's sermon is titled, One God. I'm going to read for you Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 12, on which today's sermon has been prepared. This is the word of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you are sitting at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig. And vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and you are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. This is God's word. We're going through a short series before we get to the book of John about what our hope is for a rise and some values and some aspects that we want to emphasize. Specifically, what makes us who we are as we go forward as a church body? Last week, we talked about every member gifted, how every single member of the church is given a gift by God to utilize so that the church is grown. It's not for our selfish gain. It's rather so that God's people can hear his word appropriately, can worship God, can be explained to God well, can be witnessed to. So if you are a great order, your, your job, your gift, your skills are not just so that you can go on a speaking circuit and get lots of money, that might be the case, but rather your oration, your, your verbal explanation should be used to edify the body. If your gifts are administration and teaching and so on and so forth. Our goal is every single member, we are saved, not just for ourselves, we are saved, we are brought out of death into life so that we can go do likewise for others. Today, I actually have a taller task that I must try to accomplish. Today, I want to show you, to implore you, to encourage you, that the only thing you need in life, the only hope that you have in life, the only thing to which you should rest, should bank, should put all your coin, all your treasure in, is Christ alone, God the Father alone, and nothing else. Actually, my tall task today is to try to show you that nothing else in this world will satisfy you at all, and the only thing that will satisfy you is unadulterated fidelity to the gospel, to God's love for us. I don't know if you understand what's happening right now, but opinions are all over the place, are they not? I can think of five different topics and I can ask, look, I, I have to confess something. Oh man, this was fantastic. Let me, let me touch on a button real quick. I had a life group uh, meeting one time in which I raised the question of vaccines to the group. I know. <laughs> And I made the comment, we had a couple of people in our life group on either side of the discussion. I did not know that at the time. And I said, man, it'd be fun to have a discussion about vaccines, wouldn't it? And the two people perked their heads up and they said, yes, it would. And I said, oh no. <laughs> and I, I watched for 30 minutes the most entertaining life group I've ever been a part of in my entire life. 
At the end of which they shook hands, we ate, and we just cleaned up a little bit of blood. Not much, just a small amount. If I were to ask you what opinions, now that's just one topic. Think of all the different topics, and where do we find our source of information for these topics? Where do we go to get the hope for these topics? What I want to try to convince you today of is this. Any thought you have outside of God, his word, his people, his gospel, is failure to worship the one and true only God. As a matter of fact, what I hope to show you today is that being a Christian is unlike anything else on the planet that ever was, ever will be, and that is. Being a Christian means that we have complete, unadulterated fidelity to God the Father. Nothing else. Think of all the allegiances in your life. Political parties, school affiliations, Sports, cheering, fandom. Yes. Yes. Think of all the different ways in which you align yourself and you say to yourself, I trust this source. Think of all the different voices in your head, all the different inputs. And what I want to try to convince you of today is to disconnect every single input, save for the gospel, and let that dictate all of your decisions in life and nothing else. Isn't that, doesn't that sound exclusive? Doesn't that? Kind of sounds narrow, doesn't it? That, that kind of sounds, that's, that's simple-minded. Oh, church, it's not. Today, I want to show you that having one input, one person, one value, one source is the only way we can live. Because to live otherwise means you are a divided house, means that you are distracted, means that you go a thousand different directions, none of them good, and all of them will fail you. I want to show you today that God is one, as it says in Deuteronomy. When it says God is one, in Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. What it is saying is this. There is one salvation, one faith, one God, one Christ, and there's nothing else that compares. That'll preach in churches sometimes. That won't preach outside, will it, right now? As I say to you, you only have one salvation, one God, one Savior, one Redeemer, one King. Some people say, yes, that's me. <laughs> I'm glad you finally recognize my, my queen, my kingdom. Other people will say, well, yes, of course, it's this political party. Well, yes, of course, it's, it's this thought, it's this idea, it's these people, it's this group. And what God says is, no, 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 no. One God, one Savior, one Redeemer, Jesus Christ, him alone. Therefore, since that is what God says, church, I want you to hear these things. Therefore, what we ought do, because there is one God, because he is real, and there's nothing else like him, and there's no other God besides him, and he's the only Savior for us. Therefore, love God only, love God holistically, and love God completely. Love God only, love God holistically, love God completely. Love God only. Here's what I want to start with. Uh, many of you hear uh, the thought that there's one Christ, there's one God, there's one way to salvation. There's only one aspect, and you can't add things to it. You can't take a little buffet as we're accustomed to this day to do, right? Think of your belief systems really quick. Think of what made you. Think of how you're comprised. Think of, uh, uh, maybe an easier way to do this is think of all the attributes you have where you say you get them from. Oh, yeah, he's got a temper like his father. Oh, yeah, it has grandmother's eyes. Caring and thoughtful like the aunt that we all love. 
And we kind of think to ourselves, we piece things together and we kind of make this conglomerate and, and we're this mashup of a thousand different things. That may be true of our historical understanding, but if you're a Christian, there is no mashup. There should be no thought. There is no understanding that Christ himself did not give us, that God the Father did not originate. When I say unadulterated fidelity to worship and love God only, I mean this. Our allegiance to anything outside of Christ needs to be cut off. If your allegiance to a political party makes you stumble as a Christian, which one survives and which one gets cut off? The political party. If, if your family is, is causing you to stumble in such a way, Christ came and said to us, as somebody came up and said, I'll follow you, Jesus, but let me go home and bury my dad. He said this, let the dead bury their dead. And we say, that's, that's awful, that's harsh. My family is great. Your family may be great. Your family may be awesome. Your family may be gracious, but what Christ says, what God says when he says, the Lord our God is one, what he is saying is this, there's not even a close second. There's not one A, one B, one C. There's one. And to him alone be the glory. Him alone be praise. And you say to yourself, well, there's, there's lots of good things that, that, that God gives us, and we can worship those things well, can't we? Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. He gives us the church. We're supposed to praise the church. He gives us his word. We're supposed to praise him. We're supposed to understand and come into adoration of those things. But let me, let me try to explain this. When, when Deuteronomy tells us you are to have one God, God is one. He is not divided. He is not anything else but who he is. What he is saying is this. Don't confuse outcomes of God for God. Don't confuse outcomes of God for God. Does God heal in the Bible? He does. Should you make your life be all about healing? Nope. You're confusing an outcome of God for God. Because there's, there's tons of other instances in which God says, in the Gospels, when God, when Christ is preaching and somebody comes and says, Jesus, we have a whole bunch of people here that want to be healed. This is so great. This is so fantastic. We have like a mega church. Let's hang out. Let's stay here a few times more. Jesus says, nope, let's go to the next city. And the disciples are like, oh, hold on, we got something good here. And he says, I came to preach the word. My ministry of healing is done here. And he moves on. And we say to ourselves, well, God, God would clearly heal. He does sometimes. But if you confuse the outcome of the gospel for the gospel, you've missed the boat. So then you say to yourself, okay, fine, fine, fine. God's a moral God. God's, God's a loving, he's an ethical God. That's true, he is. If you confuse ethics and morality for God himself, you've missed the gospel. If I was to ask you what makes a good person, and you say, well, if, you're, if you, we'll get to it in a moment, love God and love others, this is it, right? So, so be a good person, do good things, go to church, tithe, don't cuss. I'll say this right now, nobody at this church has that one down, okay? It's okay, you guys can laugh. It's you who does it. Golly. All right, so, I'm sorry, saints. We think these things, we think to ourselves, no, 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 we do these things and we're going to be fine, we're going to be good. And what God says is, no, 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 no. Just because you have outcomes of an ethical life does not mean that is the gospel. It means that you do those things because of the gospel. So then we say, well, no, we, justice, justice is good. We need to fight for justice. You're absolutely right when you fight for justice. If you confuse justice, fighting for justice as the gospel, you've missed the gospel. 
Do you know how many people want to fight for justice that in 50 years will be forgotten and in 50 years all their work for justice will be undone? Do you know why it'll be undone? Because it's not rooted in the gospel, because it's not rooted in the church, because it's rooted in institutions that were never called to last forever. That's why. Do you know who the only people on planet Earth that can say we fight for things that are everlasting is? The church. That's it. Anything outside of that can't say that. Why? Church, bear with me for a moment, would you? Give me grace in this next statement. The American country that we know and love is an experiment in freedom, not freedom itself. Your country, love it. It's fantastic. Don't make it your God. You know why? We have an expiration date. I don't know when it is, but unless you're, unless you're a really bad better, every single country that has been before, where are they now? Every institution, every civic law, every, the annals of history are gone, are evaporated for people. What still remains? The church. What did God promise will always remain? The church. Don't confuse good things for the gospel things. Worship Christ alone. Now, this is a hard thing. Is I, do you see how, how ways in which you put your trust in faulty things and expiration things won't give you ultimate hope? Because they all come and go. They're like chaff in the wind. So, so how, that's, a, that's a hard sell. It's like saying to you, once you find a, a furniture store, once you find a store that's great and glorious and has the best prices, and I say, you can't shop anywhere else. What do you do the second I say you can only shop at one place? What, what do we all do? We go online, we find coupons, we find sales, and we kind of mix and match, right? Do you know why we do that with stores? Do you know why we go online, we try to find the cheapest place, the best place, the best deals? Because we're not covenanting with those stores. We're contracting with those stores. They give us good because we give them money and vice versa. They give us cheap prices, and that's contractual. Do you know what the church is called to be? People not about contract, but about covenant. That's what we're called to be. So even if you were to say, you know what, Clint, I, okay, fine, I love God, I trust him. But you know, this, this thing in the Bible that he says here is really, really hard for me. I, I, I don't know if I believe it fully. It's, it's very difficult. I, everybody's a sinner. Nobody's good outside of Christ. Oh, that's, hard. that's a hard pill to swallow. I don't know if I could do that. Christ is asking you, have fidelity for me and my gospel alone, even when you think you could find it better elsewhere. Because you know that thing you bought on Amazon for five, five bucks cheaper a month ago? That's now broken. The world is a cheap fix. Christ's gospel, God the Father, his word is the, is the old world craftsmanship that will never fail, never burn, never go away. Love God alone and nothing else. That's the first point. The second point is this. Therefore, love God holistically. In Deuteronomy, it says this. It's very, very interesting. It says, these commandments that I give you today, be on your heart and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Now, this all sounds like a personal conviction, doesn't it? These are all things I can control. I can control how I treat my children. I can control how I teach. I can control my own home. And we, I think, believe that faith is an intrinsic, internal, personal decision, right? We say, well, don't, hey, look, don't press your 
your beliefs on me. Don't talk to me about your beliefs. Keep your faith in your home, and that's it. Keep what you think to yourself. Don't, don't talk to me about Christ and what you think. No, 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 keep that there. But look what it says next. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. On your gates. Why, why did he add that? Why did he throw that in there? Look, when, when the Bible says there is one God and no one else, he says it must start with you, but it cannot stop with you. He says, put it on your forehead. Put it, teach your children as you walk, as you sit. And what it goes on is it says, and then here's how you're actually, here's how, you're, here's how you order your life because of it. Here are ways in which you're supposed to construct to build your home. Here's how you're to proclaim this at gates. Love God holistically. And here's what I want to try to get across. When you became a Christian, or the Christian faith is this, people who say to themselves, I give up my rights so that I can follow a good and loving father. I give up what I think should happen in order that he can tell me the better ways. Because you look at this and it says, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. How, mu- how many hours does that encompass, do you think? When you lie down and when you wake up. That's all of them. Let me just, all the hours. And it says, impress them. Think about them. Talk about them. Put them on your doorstep. Put them on your gate. Put them everywhere. What's the Bible saying? It's saying this. If your Christian faith doesn't make you a different employee, a different contractor, a different citizen, a different church member, a different father, a different husband, a different mother, a different wife, a different child, if it doesn't change how you orientate your life, you know what I must say? I must ask you, you sure you see the gospel? Or are you using the gospel? I had a salesman one time uh, give me no indication whatsoever. Uh, I was trying to buy windows, and they were very, very expensive windows. And he gave me no indication whatsoever that he had a, a, a faith background and that his life was conducted in such a way. As a matter of fact, in the conversation, there were a couple of shady things that he was trying to do for me in the contract. And then he finally asked me midway through, he's like, hey, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. I get one of two reactions when I say I'm a pastor. Uh, I either start getting called reverend. That's fine. You guys can call me reverend. That's they okay. Uh, or the second thing is stone-faced. Is, uh-oh, here we go. You're going to start evangelizing me, aren't you? I will. Not now. He said, what do you do? I say, I'm a pastor. And then he said this, his, his face brightened up. He goes, oh, good, I'm a Christian too. How great is it that us Christian brothers can do business together? He confused the gospel for getting him good things rather than a gospel that changed his life before that, that didn't get him good things, that gave him the only thing that matters that is a true and holy God. Now, can Christians work together and do business? Absolutely they can. Do I think that that gentleman was trying to tell me we connect over a savior that we have in common rather than a contract that he wanted to get? I think it was the latter. Why? Because nothing else before that smelled, had the touch, had the feel, had the understanding of a man who was convicted by this understanding. I am not good as I thought, but I am better, in a better state than I could ever have dreamed because Christ has died for me. Oh, you meet somebody like that, and it's a different world. You can understand. You can talk when he says, oh, brother, I'm a Christian too. Great, let's celebrate that together. Let's talk about that together. Don't use the gospel for your own ends. God is not a God 
to be trifled with. He is not a God that you can enclave with. It should change how you do contracts. Yes. It should change how you serve your city. It should change how you see your neighbors. Now they're no longer a nuisance. Now they're a gift from God. It should change how you view your enemy. See, when it says go to the doorpost, put them on your head, put them on your foot, put them everywhere, understand as you wake, as you sleep, as you walk, as you train your children, saying this, the gospel is something that should saturate into every nook and cranny of your life. That's what it means. God is one. Having one God with one authority, with one king, should be everywhere. So when you say to yourself, how are you a shopper? You should first say, I'm a Christian who happens to shop. When you say, well, I'm, I'm vice president of regional marketing, you're a Christian who happens to be vice president of regional marketing. Well, I'm a mom. You're a Christian who happens to be a mom. See, when you put that first, it saturates into every nook and cranny of your life. And to do so otherwise is to say this. It's like if I came into your home and I found rotten wood and decay and mold in a corner. And I came in and said, okay, we, hey, we, have to, we have to get that out. And also we have to inspect the rest of the house. And you said, inspect away, don't go in my bedroom. I said, that makes no sense. What if it's in there? I don't care, you can't touch it. It's off limits, that's my space. You know what any contractor would say? they say, okay, that's great, that's fine. I can get rid of everything out here, but I can't promise it won't come back because I can't promise it's not in there because I can't promise that mold, that decay, that rotten wood won't infect the rest of the house. Church, if you say to yourself, I'll be a Christian in every regard except for these three, those are off limits, those are my time, that's for me. The decay in there will get everywhere else. You must stop that. Well, I'm a Christian, but it can't tell me how to, it can't tell me my, my ethics and my values as a husband. Yes, it can. I'm a Christian, but it can't tell me what to do with my finances. Yes, it can. Well, I, well, I'm a Christian, but it can't tell me what to do with my time. Yes, it can. And if it doesn't, you know what I must ask you? Do you really see the gospel at all? If you don't have fruit of the Spirit, do you know what you don't have? The Spirit. It's... It's the simplest thing in the world. Do you know if my children don't have any DNA from me? Do you know what I must say of my children? They're not my children. <laughs> then a long conversation. <laughs> don't worry, they have my DNA. If you don't have the DNA of your Savior, you know what I must say? You don't have Christ. It changes how you talk, how you work, how your employee, how your employer how your mom, how your dad, how your husband, how your father. And if it doesn't, I must ask you, then why do you want God? If you want lots of different gods, if you want many gods, you don't have the father. You have a buffet of your own making. Do you actually know the second you say, I trust in God, but, but pastor, I, this happens to me all the time. I come in, we talk about some problems, and then you, you ask me, well, what should I do? And I tell you what you do, and then you go, I don't want to do that. I go, oh, okay. And do you know why we say, I don't want to do that? Because we want to say, it's my choice. It's my freedom. It's my right. You have two options in life. Die with your rights or live in service. That's it. You can have every right you ever possibly wanted, every desire you could ever, ever want, and you'll die with them. Or you can live in service to a good God who gives good gifts all the time. 
Because God is one, he's over everything. He did not say, I am one of many. He's not like the Greek gods, the Roman gods, in which you pray to for fertility, pray to for the harvest, pray for rain. We don't go, oh God, let me talk to you about my finances. But for other things, I'm going to go to a different God. And I'm not just talking God high in the sky. I'm talking what are the gods in which you go to for authority? Well, for parenting, I'll go here. For how I vote, I'll go here. God says, I don't play that way. I gave this example at the last team meetings. It's like if I said to somebody or somebody came to me and said, I really like hanging out with my wife, but I don't like talking to her, so I'm going to carry some, a conversation on with somebody else, and I'll just have her raise my children and cook me food. How many of you signed up for that? But when God says, I, God doesn't do that either. He doesn't say, yeah, you can just talk to me about a few things. He says, I get all of you. I don't want a piece of you. I want all of it. Love God holistically. And then lastly, trust God, love God completely. Now, what I just described is a very, very, very hard thing to do. To have one authority, to have one king, to have one input, and then to live your whole entire life to orchestrate, to change, to transform everything. Do you know how impossible that is? It's impossible. Do you know the only way you'll do that? If I forced you to do that, you know what would happen to you? You would break at a certain point. You would hate every single rule, every single ethic. You would hate the new life. You would hate the new behaviors. You would, you would buck against it. You would say, nope, I'm not doing it. And it would break you. You would snap. Do you know the only way you can be convinced of this? The only way you can be convinced of this is to see the promise that God has kept and to see the way in which he has given you life. It's the only way. It says in Deuteronomy, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. How many of us still live our lives like we parent or were parented? Why should I do that? Because I said so. How many of us treat God that way? Why should I do this? Because God said so. It's the law. Do you know what the law has never done, ever? Bring life. Do you know what the law does constantly? Shows you how you're dying. You go down the street, you get a speeding ticket, and you say to the cop, oh, please, officer, let, let me out of this one. You don't understand. I was late for my meeting. And you go on and on and on about the, you know what the law says? The law says you're guilty. You get a ticket. That's it. Done. Over. Do you know what laws say in our lives? You're not good enough. You never were. You never will be. Here's the measurement, and here's where you come in. Done. Over with. And you say, well, that's kind of harsh. The law is harsh. The law can't bring life. The law of just do it because it says so doesn't work. Does it? Think about your life. Think about ways in which you think you have to do good, and the only way you're doing it is by gritting your teeth and forcing yourself to do it. Or as the great theologian Eminem says, I bully myself. Do you bully yourself into doing things that aren't good and aren't great? Because if you don't want to do them, then stop doing them. Church, hear this. If you don't like reading God's word, don't do it. If you don't like coming to church, don't do it. Why, why, why would you? It's the right thing to do. Oh, be careful. Now you've just entered a legal contract. Now you've just done something that you don't want to do, you don't have affection for. What if somebody, you went to somebody and said, why are you my friend? And you're like, oh, I have to. Yeah, you're, 
your wife called me up and she said I had to be your friend. It's like, oh, thanks. This is going to be a great time together. Yeah, I hate every single living moment with you, but I guess I'm here. Wow. Why do you do that with God? Stop doing it. If you don't like giving, all the deacons right now are real nervous. Don't give. Why should you give? Why should you live? Why? This is the best way I can show it to you. Because if you trust God completely, if there is one God, and Moses says, remember the God that brought you out of Egypt, what he is saying in this, church, remember the God that saved you from slavery and gave you freedom. One of the greatest movies I've ever seen, The Last of the Mohicans, there's this incredible scene. There's the French and Indian War going on, and there's two lovers that are trying to get away. They're being hunted by enemies, and the enemies have trapped them, and the only way out is to jump out of a waterfall down, down, down. And swim away. Uh, Cora, the, the, one of the lovers in this, she can't do it. She's, she's not a fighter. She's not a warrior. And the warrior who fell in love says this to him. He's, he knows, I have to save myself. I will come back. And then he says this. It's the most, oh gosh, it's chilling. He says, I will find you. No matter how long it takes, no matter the distance I have to go, no matter how far, I will find you. And then he jumps. And she gets captured and she's on her way. She's enslaved. She's being shown the way by bound hands. She can't get away. She's entrapped. She's a prisoner by the warring army. And then the lover starts running. And he catches up. And for the next five minutes of glorious cinema, he fights his way through every single enemy throwing them off, getting to his lover and saying, you are mine, I am yours. I came over, I jumped through every single obstacle. I did not let a single enemy stay in my way. Nothing stopped me. No height, nor depth, no principality, no thing of this world can ever separate us from the love of God. This is the gospel. He says, my affection for you is so great, nothing will stop me. And he comes to her, and he frees her, and then she's, she, she gets freed. All her enemies are gone. She lives a life with him. Now, they don't show the rest. The movie ends there. They don't show the rest of it. But do you think she started making a list of commands to give her lover after that happened? She says, no, he, no, 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 she didn't. I know, it thinks, but no. She didn't. She didn't say, okay, well now, here, you know what, you know what, sweetheart, you, do these, you have to do these things for me now. You know what, I, I really don't like how you're dressed, change how you're dressed. Yeah, I, re I really don't like how you're talking to me, change how you're talking to me. She doesn't do that, why? She's been given every single understanding of who her lover is that neither height nor depth nor principality nor things that have been or things to come will separate me from you and he was willing to give his life to defeat all her enemies. Her affection, if he said, hey, I want to be with you, what if she said, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go find a lover somewhere else. <sighs> Every single time you don't orchestrate your life holistically in the fact of loving God and worshiping him alone, if you bring in other gods, what you are doing is you're not having fidelity to him. You're saying, God, thanks for the salvation, but I don't want anything else from you. You're using God. Do you know the only thing that will ever change you to have complete fidelity to Christ in which he changes and orchestrates your life? Not forcing you, not mandating, no law, 
The only way will be if you understand that he ran through every enemy to get to you. That he jumped through every waterfall to be with you. That he risked life and died for you. And the fact that he's resurrected, you'll be able to say, you gave everything. There's nothing you can't ask me to do. There's nothing you can't change. There's no area of my home you can't go into. There's no aspect of my life you can't speak into. I follow you completely. And the only way you'll do that is if you have affection for him and nothing else. So church, my question to you is this. If we want to have one fidelity to Christ, if we want to have one understanding, we want to have one God alone and not multiple gods. Do you see the gospel? Do you see it daily? Oh, because church, how easy do we forget? This passage of Deuteronomy is called the Shema. And it was actually a daily prayer that Israelites did. They would recite every single day when they woke. When it says in Deuteronomy, when you wake, when you go to sleep, it does, they, they took that. They said, okay, when I wake and when I sleep, they would say this, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. So church, here's my question to you. Do you rehearse the gospel? When you face a difficult situation, do you say to yourself, I'm right, I know I'm right, I'm going to fight for my rights? Or do you say this, I could be wrong here. Maybe I should slow down. Maybe I shouldn't be so angry. Maybe I should admit that I don't know all good things. Maybe I should look to Christ who has done all good things for me. When you meet somebody, do you size them up and judge them? Or do you say, I was judged once and I was found guilty of all sin, and that didn't stop Christ from coming for me. Do you rehearse the gospel that says we were made in his image, we fell out of love for him, we chose to walk away, he chose to come, and he is bringing us to glory? Because if you rehearse that every single time you woke and every single time you went to bed, do you know how much your life would change? I'm not as good as I thought. I'm more gifted than I ever could have imagined, all because of Christ's affection for me. Now, you say that to yourself. Just like the Israelites said the Shema, things change. When you approach Scripture and you study it and you go, I'm not as good as I thought I was. I've been gifted by Christ. I'm made alive. You won't look at it and go, look at this here. I disagree with this. You'll say, that's really difficult. But God clearly gave it to me for a reason. I will try to understand because he's the one who gave it to me. I don't want to serve other people. They're, they're filthy and gross and disgusting and that I might get taken advantage of. I said this last week. What if Christ thought that about us? And he said, I don't want to come. They might, they might kill me. They might take advantage of me. They did. And he still came. Church, the only way to have affection, to have fidelity to Christ, where in which you don't go outside for any other thing, in which you have one store that you shot from, is to see the affection that he gave to you and rehearse it daily. Church, will you rehearse the gospel today and every day after? You were, you were born in his image, you sinned and fell away. He brought you back to salvation and he's making a place for us in his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your words. Thank you for Deuteronomy. Thank you for your people praying and your people knowing and your people singing. As we respond with our song, may we do so in an understanding that you alone are God and you alone are one and we are to follow you because you came chasing after us. You made a way when we didn't want a way. You made a savior 
possible when we didn't want one at all. You died for us. You are beginningless and endless, Father. May we know that more today. Son's name I pray. Amen.